The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. It's been said that the Bible is God's love letter to the human race. It's also been said that the gospel, the salvation message, is a love story between God and his creation. Hi, Alex McFarland here. Welcome to another week of Exploring the Word. Today is a special day because Bert Harper and I are going to start a new book study today, and it will be somewhat brief, about five or six days maybe, because we're in a book of the Bible that... um, It's not a long book per se, but this is a book I would warrant you probably have not heard taught very much, and it's a love story, and it's called Song of Solomon. And Bert and I, we're going to go through this very interesting, very important book, and I think there are a lot of precious, precious lessons regarding salvation, regarding God's love for the human race, and yes, God's love for you that we will draw from Song of Solomon. And with that, we welcome you to the program. Alex McFarlane here along with Bert Harper, and you are listening to the American Family Radio Network. Well, Bert, uh, this is precious. You know, this is poetry, but it's truth. And it's all about, uh, there is the, uh, the, the Shulamite bride girl uh, loved by the husband, but it's also about God's love for the human race, isn't it? It is, and, and there's different ways people look at this. Some people want it to be a complete allegory, and others want it to be a historical nothing but it. But I think it is a combination. I think basically is it, a, it is a historical document that demonstrates the love of God for Israel in the Old Testament, but the bride of Christ, the church, in the New Testament. So if you deviate from that and just say, I'm just going to go all allegorical, I believe you do miss some of the, the intricacies of it because it, it is very, uh, I would say, the word detailed concerning a man and woman's love. But it also demonstrates the love that Jesus has for us in such an intimate way. The verse, uh, Song of Solomon, finding one verse that demonstrates it is tough. But chapter 2, verse 16, I believe has a passage for us, a message for us, that I think we can look at and see that it does. It Just the first part, it says, My beloved is mine, and I am his. What a statement. That is true for a man and a woman in marriage. It's also true with the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. My beloved is mine, and I am his. So, Alex, I think we can take this. I think we can get some ideas concerning marriage, and we want to do that. But also, I want those to look at it and say, man, Christ really does love me. His love is real, and uh, I appreciate that. And I think it is a picture. So I I wouldn't put it in straight allegory. I wouldn't put it – I believe it is historical. I don't believe anything of it's not historical and love. But it, it is that man and woman, uh, husband and wife, and I think we can learn some things that way as well. Amen. Amen. Well, Matthew Henry, and I'm sure many people have heard of the name Matthew Henry, famously wrote uh, probably one of the most widely circulated commentaries ever. Yeah, Bert, you'll recall Matthew Henry's commentary. 
he believed that um, it was, among other things, some history, because obviously Solomon is historical, and yet the Bible says that Solomon wrote 1,005 songs. Uh, 1 Kings 4.32 says that. Um, but this, the song of songs. In other words, if Solomon wrote over a 1,000 songs, this was the best. And by the time of Ezra, this was already acknowledged to be part of the inspired canon of Scripture. I know some people throughout history have kind of wondered, well, how could this be part of God's written revelation? Well, it was inspired uh, by the Holy Spirit, written down by Solomon. But, you know, even Josephus, who wrote the famous Antiquities of the Jews, Josephus affirmed that this was meant to be in the canon, it was Scripture, and Josephus affirmed that the Jews viewed it as Scripture. But here's the thing. Matthew Henry believed that this was a series of parables. That, and let me read this quote. He says, These are parables which make divine things more difficult to those who do not love them, but more clear and pleasant to those who do love God. And, Bert, I, I could see if you come to the table skeptical of God, and God is guilty until proven innocent, or if you come to the table with a heart that loves the things of God and are you're thirsty for every precious drop of God's truth, I could see this is one of those books that would um, enrich the believer but confound the skeptic. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I again, he starts off with a song of songs. In other words, he has written several thousand plus, but this is a song of songs. And it starts out, it's always a conversation, the Shulamite, the woman, or the bride. And then it has a chorus, and it's referred to as the Daughters of Jerusalem. And uh, they're the ones that he uses kind of in a play to, to ask questions or make a transfer. And then the other one is Solomon himself, uh, known as her beloved. And so this is uh, in a conversation, it is set up in such a way that it's similar to Job in some ways, not completely, but Job is written in that way where it could be, quote, acted out with people uh, speaking and then interspersing. That doesn't mean it's not real. It, I believe it's real. But again, it's written in such a manner that uh, it could be presented in a way. And it starts out, and, and I love what this commentator said, it celebrates romantic love as one of God's best gifts to us. And I agree with that. And if you want to say, well, that just this doesn't make sense. I, again, Adam and Eve, uh, if you look, read Genesis chapter 1 and 2, you'll find out it, they were naked and until they ate the fruit they didn't realize that it was it was uh, that freshness that young love if you want to call it and it was to be celebrated now you remember what it says about one of the churches in the church that that john wrote to the church of asia minor it says you have left your first love what you right. see in song of solomon is fresh young love and it you compare that to the love we have for jesus christ and, and I think it does add to that, Alex, that it is new and it's fresh. What did it mm -hmm. say? His mercies are new every morning. And, and so in the Song of Solomon, if you can read it, I think you'll get a lot of ideas concerning romantic love about how to resolve conflict. you got to pursue that. How to uh, co have a conversation with your wife concerning and, and husband about bragging on them, you know? 
and, oh, and tell yes. them how good wonderful. their positive qualities are. And I think that's missing out on most marriages. We we start correcting one another rather than sharing with one another the positive things that we see in one another. Amen. Well, and, and let me just say this, and folks, if you're just tuning in, it's a brand new day. We're starting the book of Song of Solomon. But um, one of the great names in all of uh, ministry for five decades plus is Dr. Gary Chapman. And Gary Chapman famously wrote The Five Love Languages, which he told me we were together in a—we did a program back in about February, and he said that God began to give him these concepts around, probably about 1968, that if you know your partner's love language and you speak to that, he, he said— in all these years, 50, 60 years, he said, I've never counseled a couple whose marriage couldn't be saved if they would be intentional about loving each other. And so when I read in the Song of Solomon that says, you know, uh, we will run after you, uh, you know, th- there's just this rejoicing, uh, you know, kissing and love is better than wine and there's pursuit and uh, verse 4 says, we will be glad and rejoice in you. We will remember your love more than wine. Now, again, uh, it's a husband and wife. I want to say this, and I know life, oh my goodness, life and marriage and building a family and work and paying the bills. Bert, it's easy to get burned out, but here's the thing. Always, men, remember what made you light up. When you saw her years ago and you were pursuing her and you were wanting to fall in love and marry that girl, uh, just remember how she lifted your heart up. And yeah, uh, the intoxicating feelings of when you begin to fall in love. Bert, um, it's not just an automatic machine that runs. Relationships have to be nurtured. And I think when you read about the pursuit of uh, the bride, and the love and the back and forth, you know, nurturing that relationship, it reminds us that you just can't leave your marriage on autopilot. You've got to court that girl and remember how you were, there was nothing more important than pursuing that relationship. Well, keep that mindset. I agree fully, and it continues on. The Shunammite in chapter 1, verse 5 starts talking about, you know, I am dark but lovely, O daughters of of Jerusalem. It says, verse 6, do not look upon me because I am dark. Now, it's not talking about race or anything. It's talking about her working in the sun because it brings up to one of the real important matters. And that's what we'll do in Song of Solomon. We'll pick certain verses out that really speak. And and verse 6, the latter part, really speaks. It says, they made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Uh, mm. Alex, there's so much there. Again, I believe she was a vineyard keeper. This is a real person that I believe Solomon really did love. Most of his marriages, and he was wrong. It was horrible. What he did was political. This marriage, this love seems the legitimate love that he had for this woman. I believe it was early on, uh, early on in, in when he was writing this and he was remembering the love he had for her, but it says... They made me the keeper. This is the Shunammite keep uh, talking. She worked in the vineyard. She had brothers, and she helped them. And it seems like the father was not around because it talks about my mother's sons were angry with me. It sounds like she had a relationship with her mom and her brothers. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Alex, 
you bet we and this is what you were referring to and I that's made me want to go to this quickly you were talking about working on your marriage and 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 doing it in a positive way doing it purposely the word is intentional you've got to be intentional in this relationship it is not to be treated casually it is to be con- uh, treated intentionally and here it is I kept others I was taking care of everything else but my own vineyard I have not kept let me encourage those of you that in this marriage relationship, keep your own vineyard. Make sure you have eyes only for your spouse. Make sure that you're keeping your eye on the target of a life well-lived, carrying your love for your spouse all the way through. And so, Alex, keep your own vineyard. Uh, this is great advice uh, concerning for the Shulamite woman to talk about for us. Oh, amen. Amen. And so she had to work in the sun. She was tanned. Uh, her own vineyard was not attended to. Tell me, O oh, you whom I love, where you feed your flock, where you make it rest at noon. For why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? Uh, so is there a um, desire to to uh, cultivate this relationship? You know, I don't, I don't think it's... Um, some illicit meeting, but you know where are you going to be? Um, and I don't, I don't want to come like uh, under a veil or hidden. You know, acknowledge me publicly. If you do not know, O fairest among women, follow in the footsteps of the flock and feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tents. In other words, you know where to find me. So there's a relationship here, and it's a love, it's a pure relationship. This is Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex. We're in Song of Solomon. Stay tuned. We're going to be back with more, plus your calls. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Avril Haines, Director of National Intelligence. She heads up the U.S. intelligence community oversees the National Intelligence Program and serves as an advisor to the President. Proverbs 11.14 reminds us of the importance of wise counsel. Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear God, we ask for guidance for Avril Haines as she advises the President. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country, and we're joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Diet plans are usually about what you eat, but Dr. Tony Evans says a spiritual diet takes into account why you eat. They'll tell us more today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Many of us eat for entertainment purposes only. That's why fast food owns us, because it's entertaining, all right? It is fun food. Desserts are fun food. The first reason why God gave to Adam and Eve food was to fuel them, to provide them the nourishment and the nutrients in order to fulfill the assignment I gave you. And oh, by the way, I'm going to make it entertaining. I'm going to make it juicy and enjoyable. We all love a good cook, but the goal is to fuel you for kingdom purposes. 
You turn your daily bread into daily fuel to carry out God's kingdom purposes and his will for your life. God is very motivated to give you this day the daily food and the protection of that food because he knows you're going to do his program with it. You're now fulfilling his will, his purpose in relationship to him. So the context of daily food is to recognize God as your source on a daily basis. Tell him what you want. Be grateful for what you have and put it in the priority of his name and his kingdom. You will see how much of a provider God can be. God is more than enough for whatever your situation happens to be. If you've never surrendered yourself to God and experienced His unconditional love and provision, visit TonyEvans.org today and click on the link that says Jesus. You'll find complete information and free resources to help you. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus is enough. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex with you. We're in the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs. And in chapter 1, he is doing this comparison, and he does this a lot in the book of Solomon. Uh, he, uh, The Song of Solomon, he compares and she compares your like, your unto, does it again and again. And one of those that I, I found interesting uh, is is here in verse 9, I have compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. Now, what, what had happened, Solomon had gathered together these chariots and these horses that were beautiful, that were Pharaoh's. They had come from Egypt. They had been bred for such a thing. But there was one, and, and they call it, uh, you know, the, I, I would call it the super mare, the one that was the most beautiful and the one that was the leader. And it says, I've compared you, my love, to the best thing I have. And that's this, this feeling. Now, I know the comparisons. When you get in the Song of Solomon, some of the language that Solomon uses and the Shulamite li- uses to describe their love for one another and even the physical attributes, uh, we think, well, that's weird. But it wasn't weird in the context of that day. And again, she is complimenting. Uh, he is complimenting her beyond measure. But the, the, the Shunammite does as well. Uh, you know, my be- verse 14, my beloved is to me like a cluster of henna. You are wonderful for me. And then in verse 15, I think it says it well. Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. In other words, the, the way they were doing it, Alex, and the only thing I can say, they're complimenting one another uh, is, is complete. That's that young love. They see those in each other. Do we need to cultivate that in our lives, but not just ours? Let's turn it around and talk about what Jesus has done for us. Do we need to also look what God has done for us in our lives and be filled with thanksgiving toward him? Oh, amen. That's so true, so true. And, you know, that we 
use our adjectives and our creativity and our sincere heart to be thankful to our Savior, to be thankful for our family that we love. You know, behold, you are fair, my love. You are fair, says uh, verse 15. That that word there is just really an interesting word because it means beautiful. uh, It means appropriate or fitting. In other words, you're just right for me. And men, uh, and I'm, I can't speak to the women, but I can surely speak to the men. Uh, just remember that the spouse God has given you is just right. That's, that's who, we've often said this, the marriage God's, God wants to fix is the one that you're in. But um, the Shulamite responds, Behold, you are handsome, my beloved, yes, pleasant. Also, our bed is green. The beams of our houses are cedar. Our rafters are fur. In other words, it's sturdy. It's substantial. Now, uh, women, think good of your man. Be grateful for your man. And uh, we've had people say, you know, it's hard to respect my spouse. Well, pray about that. Uh, And by the way, let me just say this. If you want some help about how to love your spouse um, or any family member, read Galatians 5, 22 through 25, about the fruits of the Spirit. When our... um, our attitude, and it says our passions have been nailed to the cross. Um, those fruits of the Holy Spirit will enable you to love unconditionally within your household. Now, very famously, uh, I am the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valleys. You know, uh, that's a term for Jesus, really, isn't it? The Rose of Sharon. And as the song says, the Lily of the Valley, the fa- fairest of 10,000 to my soul. So there are messianic overtones here, uh, aren't there? There is. And, and I read about what these are describing. The Rose of Sharon, it was a mm-hmm. wild rose, a flower, that, that was found, uh, and it was kind of out of season for rose. Most of those would come in the, in the spring, but this one would come in the fall and it, it shone differently. And you were talking about light being Jesus, and I couldn't help but think about he's the chief cornerstone the, that the builders rejected. Jesus stands out. He's, he's above all of those. And the lily of the valleys, uh, it was a lily that had thorns all around it. And the comparison is you stand out. The whole idea of Rosa Sharon and the lily of the valley is how different Jesus Christ is concerning Christ, but also in this relationship, it's it's the, the love that a spouse has for his wife or the wife or her husband is that compared to everything around it, you're the rose. You stand out to me. What you were saying earlier, Alex, about the complimenting one another and completing one another, this is the whole idea. You are the one for me. And, and that idea comes across, and it also comes across, like you said, messianic, that Jesus is the one. He is the only one that can fit that vacuum that's in your life. Amen. Amen. And you know what? Verse 3 of chapter 2, like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. Uh, hey, just as it, it would be an unexpected blessing to be in a forest full of trees, and here's an apple tree. It's different. Well, that's how the beloved is among the others. And this is the as I understand this, the Shulamite is talking about the Solomon, the bridegroom. You know, right. yeah, um, we could make analogies about how, in a world of of just gray darkness, 
here's the vi- the the bright vivid color of Christianity. Listen, in a world of religions and works, here's the gospel that says the work has been done to done for you. You know, so I think we could make a lot of comparisons, just as uh, Solomon was unique in the world and beloved to the Shulamite, Jesus and the empty tomb and the gospel are unique in the world. In a world of works and religion, we have grace and true salvation with the true and living God. That'd be like finding an apple tree in the woods. Amen. I sat down in the shade with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Um, the shade, that that's peace and rest. Now, Bert... Um, when I was youth pastor, we used to sing this song. Verse he brought four, me right? to his bank. <laughs> you remember this? I do. Go ahead, Alex. I'll... Brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Song of Solomon 2.4. Yes, there's a famous praise song written from that verse. It is. And this banner over me, it claims ownership. Uh, do you remember uh, when we got to the moon in 1969, America, do you remember the flag that was planted there, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin? They planted yeah. the flag, United States. But it, so it has that of of looking to to looking to bring in and to be together. But it also has the idea of protection. His banner over me is love. Uh, it it brings claim, but it also brings protection. Now that's true. Again, a husband and wife. That is so true. What what Solomon, I want to protect you. I want to uh, be with you. I, I want to us be together. But it also has the idea of protection. I'm here to protect you. That is true in Christ. He claims ownership, ownership in our lives when we surrender to him, and he sends us the Holy Spirit. He says he will not leave us as orphans, but he brings, and the Holy Spirit comes in us, and it has the idea of of protection, Alex. So that banner is a word picture of God's claim on our lives. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, there's food they share together, and uh, hey, sustain me with cakes of raisins, refresh me with apples, for I'm lovesick. Uh, you know what? Um, eating, uh, we need physical health, but when you're you're separated from the one you love, food's not going to do it. Um, only time. Listen, that's that's why we say have devotions because look, when you're in a relationship and you love somebody, you're going to want to spend time with them. And Bert, I don't mean to spiritualize too much, but. I talk to people and I'll say, are you a Christian? Absolutely. Where do you go to church? Well, I, I don't go to church. Somebody will say, I just, I'm not much into organized, you know, worship or whatever. I want to tell you, being a part of a church, being in the Word, being in prayer, communing with the Lord all day long, if you really love somebody, nothing will satisfy like being in their presence. And we want to say, spend time in the presence of Christ every day. Amen. His left hand is under my head. His right hand embraces me. Uh, speaks of um, this is the one that holds you up. You know, Bert, I, I want to tell you, the Lord holds me up, but I'll tell you who else is Angie. Amen. And, Isn't that and, great, Alex? Uh, he oh, who finds you. a good woman, according to Proverbs, finds a good woman, finds something that is delight to his soul. And you and I both have shared that with our relationship, years with Angie, mine with Jan. And this whole idea here of this 
how, how it goes back and forth. Let me remind you, it goes back and forth with the Shunammite talking about what's going on in her heart and her mind for her beloved, and then it goes the beloved, what he desires in his protection for the Shulamite. And the whole idea, and later on it's going to get to the point where they have a little bit of difficulty, but that is the way it is with Christ. He speaks over me. He speaks love over me, but I praise him and I glorify him. Uh, you know, that's what the Word of God does in our hearts and our lives. And so he continues, notice verse 8, the voice of my beloved, behold, he comes leaping upon the mountain, skipping upon the hills. Uh, my beloved is like a gazelle. And you see that. In other words, this is fresh, Alex. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, the, let me say this. If you were talking, if I came to you and I said, you know, Alex, my spiritual life is kind of dull. There was a time when I was so enriched by the Word of God. I would hear uh, sermons, and they would challenge me. But of late, I'm kind of, you know, it. I, I'm in the doldrums. Nothing is enriching my life. Uh, what would we say? I, I think this is where it is. This newness and this freshness that they're talking about, Listen, we need those in our lives even day. So if you're in the doldrums and spiritually inept, uh, I think there's some things you can do by spending time with the Lord, can't you? Amen. Amen. Well, and, and let me say this. Um, verse 8 through 14 is uh, an interesting thing about um, pursuit and spending time together. Okay. I'm going to go back to verse 7, and it says, Do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. In other words, you know, don't, don't just uh, tease me. Uh, I, want to, I want to spend time with my beloved. And uh, every couple should do that. But here's the thing. The voice of my beloved coming, running on the mountains. This is just precious. I could see this being committed to film. He stands behind our wall, looking through our windows, gazing through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said to me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Imagine the suitor pursuing the, uh, the, the beloved and hiding. I'm sure most men have done this. Let's say that you can, your, your wife is working or whatever, and you've got time to go by and say a quick hello, and you hide and you peek out from around the corner and smile. And verse 10, my beloved spoke and said to me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For the winter is past, the rain is gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come. Okay, you've got in verse 12, springtime. And again, forgive me for being poetic and hopefully artful and allegorical here, but let your heart and your relationship always be at springtime. Amen. Let your relationship with Jesus Never go stale. Bert, I've been around couples. In fact, when I was at, um, oh, the, the the big Baptist church in Tupelo, not West Jackson, but Harrisburg, the other one. Harrisburg, I bet. Harrisburg. Yeah. I spoke there probably four or five years ago, and I met a couple there at Harrisburg Baptist that had been married, if I recall, like 70 years. And it was such a blessing some of you listening that maybe go to Harrisburg Baptist, you know this couple I'm talking about. I think, and I don't know that I had ever met a couple that had been, been married that long, and yet they just radiated love for each other. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that a testimony? Lord, help us be that way. 
And yes. again, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Uh, there's times when you and your spouse, everybody, a date night, you know, uh, and those of you that are driving and you've got kids, uh, work out something with another couple. They can keep your kids and you and your spouse can go out and have some time alone. It says, uh, verse 14, oh, my dove in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places uh, uh, of the cleft, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. Let your voice is sweet. Your face is lovely. Alex, uh, you was talking about uh, Gary Chapman and the five love languages. Listen, part of that is quality time. I would say verse 14 hits quality time out of the park. You're you're hanging on every word. You're looking at their face completely. You're not distracted by your cell phone or a television uh, or your iPad. You're talking with one another. What a way to go. Amen. And let me just say this, and I know I'm meddling right now, so I beg your forgiveness, but let me say, guys, when you're trying to take your wife or, or girlfriend out for to show some time and, and show that you really care, put down that cell phone. Amen. No texting. I mean, few things are going to say love and commitment like giving your undivided attention. We're running out of time, but I want to refer to 15. Thinking about we'll probably come back to it tomorrow because it's too important. Catch up. Catch the foxes. Now, what we're talking about, we're talking about the vineyards. We're talking about keeping your vineyards and, and protecting them. Catch us, the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Now, I what this is saying is those little things, those little nagging things in the relationship, don't let them build up. Find a way to discuss them and put them aside and go on with your relationship. We're going to talk more about that tomorrow. But we're going to take phone calls in this next segment, and that number is 888-589-8840. We'd love to hear from you. Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this, and that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks, the important documentary from the American Family Association, is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today. Thegodwhospeaks.org. This is the time where we all better be on our knees in front of our windows, where we better have the boldness to stand on the truth of God's word, where our allegiance better be to him. Listen, he alone has an enduring kingdom. He alone, he alone makes promises and keeps them. God alone, nobody else. Airing the Addisons, weekday afternoons at 2 Central on American Family Radio. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. As many of you know, Hurricane Ida devastated Louisiana in August, making landfall as a Category 4 hurricane, leaving thousands of families in need of hope. 
Do you know it's been three years since 8 Days of Hope deployed on a rebuilding trip where we help hundreds of families rebuild their homes for free? But today I've got some exciting news. We're announcing that 8 Days of Hope 17 is going to take place in Laplace, Louisiana from April 9th through the 16th, bringing hope to those who are feeling hopeless. We're going to be doing roofing and drywall painting and so much more. If you'd love to use your gifts to serve those in need, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. As always, it's free to volunteer with us. Food and lodging are provided. And again, if you're looking to be the hands and feet of Jesus, join us in April when we go to Laplace, Louisiana during 8 Days of Hope 17. Again, for more information about this outreach or any arm of the ministry, go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Genesis 3 records for us the cataclysmic rebellion against God in the Garden of Eden. The entire episode, Eve's entertainment of the sensual lies of the talking snake, the deceptive twisting of God's word, all of it transpired with Adam standing right there. Adam was the one to whom God entrusted his word originally. Adam was the one God charged with cultivating and protecting the garden and his wife. Yet he stood there silent. Men, let us not repeat Adam's sin of present absence. Stand on God's word and defend your gardens. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Father, I'm in a desperate place. Father, I know you can bear the weight. Father, Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex, we're taking questions. And we've got lines open in that number, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. I want to remind you, if you're looking ahead, read chapter the rest of chapter 2. We, we nearly finished it, chapter 3 and chapter 4, and uh, it, it'll bless you. Read that in such a way. But I want to go out on this last verse, the one that I brought us in on, verse 16. It's one of those that I think you can highlight or underline in your Bibles. My beloved is mine, and I am his. Uh, and, and so just be that way. That is your relationship with the Lord. That should be your relationship to your husband, your wife. And uh, so we praise the Lord for that. Well, Alex, you ready to go to the phone lines? Yeah, and folks, the number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We would love your Bible question today, wherever you might be. But uh, we're going to start out in Tennessee, and we're going to speak with Mike. Welcome. You're the the first caller this week on Exploring the Word, Mike. Yes, sir. Have a good day. Uh, I just had a a question here. I was listening to the station this morning, and the man said, the rapture happens that it's the unsaved that will be taken away for judgment, and that goes against everything I've ever heard. Okay. I don't know who that was. Uh, It says we will be caught up with the Lord in the air to be ever with the Lord. That's us as believers, according to what Thessalonians says, isn't it, Alex? Yeah, and you know, I I know um, what they might have been referring to because, like, if you read like uh, the classic one of the classic rapture passages, which is First Thessalonians 
4 says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds. But, you know, you go to Bert... This might have been a reference to like Matthew twenty four forty one, where it says two women will be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. And some people have wondered, okay, is this like the rapture? So you look and suddenly your coworker is not even there anymore because they were caught up to heaven, which I think, yes, that's what that means. But some have said, well, maybe the unsaved are like snuffed out somehow. No, I don't think that's an accurate handling of that, that verse at all. Uh, the Luke seventeen thirty five and the Matthew twenty four forty one. So, um, as I understand it, um, there's going to be the rapture after which a seven year tribulation and ultimately Armageddon and so forth. But um, uh, Bert, um, a, a good book on that that I might recommend, or just a good author would be John Walver W A L V O O R D. He was at Dallas Seminary. A lot of good books, but John Walver, David Jeremiah's got a good book on it. Billy Graham's great book, Four Dr. Horsemen. Jeffries, Robert Jeffries has got one or oh, two. Oh, yeah, exactly. Sunday morning, uh, as we were getting ready for church, we had the television on, and three of the preachers that was on while we were getting ready, they were talking about end times, and that's where people's minds are right now. They're looking what's going to happen, uh, what assurance. Here's the assurance we have no matter what. If you're saved, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He is with us. And, yes, there may be some suffering. Alex and I both believe that the church will be raptured and taken out before great tribulation. But you're going to have tribulation before the worldwide great tribulation. And we don't know who all it's going to be in. A lot of folks in the Middle East, they've been under it for quite a while. Over in China, they've been under tribulation for quite a while. The Sudan, how horrible it's been in parts of Africa. So, Alex, but the time is coming when there's going to be a great worldwide, and uh, I think that is yeah, still to yeah. come. And uh, But be ready. Be ready. That's the whole idea. Thank you, Mike. And, well, uh, Karen in Texas, I believe. Karen, are you there? I am, Alex. Um, I'm kind of new to stuff. I have an AirPod in, so it's Bluetooth, so I hope I don't overlap you. Can you hear me? Oh, you're doing great. Thanks for holding. Welcome. Um, well, thank you. And Alex and Burke, thank you so much for all you do. And I've, I've spoken with you all a couple of times, and I just want to, first of all, thank you for doing this. This is a topic that nobody, I, I've never heard anybody preach on it before, and I love the perspective that, that you're bringing to it. And I just want to tell you guys that I'll be short, but y'all are such an encouragement to me. And I, I praise the Lord that if I can't catch you, I get the podcast and I can do that. And um, I just, I love you guys and I, I pray for you. And I just, um, I wanted to put oh, in a thank plug. You. Uh, uh, Alex, my, my son was named Ty and I'm, I'm very upset. I'm disappointed because he's 22 now, so he can't go to the youth conferences. But uh, I would love—I would love to encourage anybody out there that has children or young teenagers your age to be able to their age to be able to go to your conference. And I'm—I'm I'm going to leave it at that because I love you guys and oh. thank you. I pray for you and thank you for everything you've done. 
Thank you, Karen. Let me well, put you're, my you're 10 so cents worth in on that. Go to this conference. Youth, go to it. Uh, Truth for a New Generation, the Youth Conference. Alex, give us information so people can hear about it. Karen, thank you for that. Oh, thanks. Well, I, I'm on the road every weekend, and um, I'm headed out to Texas, and I'll be uh, on uh, uh, Palm Sunday. I'll be up in Cincinnati. My my whole schedule is on alexmcfarland.com. But our next big youth event is July 17th through 22nd. We've got a youth camp. It's for middle school and high schoolers. Building Your Biblical Worldview, uh, Will and Miki Addison will be there in person. So myself, one of America's great youth leaders, Andy Lawrenson, myself, Andy, the Addisons, we're going to spend five days mentoring your young people. And uh, it's just this year, Bert, it just coincidentally happened. We rented a, a camp in my home state of North Carolina, which is near Raleigh, North Carolina. Now, we've done camps all over West Coast, Texas, Midwest, but we, we are in North Carolina this year. But check out the camp, and uh, I'm going to give the camp's website, which is NC Refuge, as in North Carolina Refuge.org. But, Karen, thank you for those kind words. Uh, you, you're, you, you bless my heart, and I appreciate that. Uh, we're going to go to Audrey, Audrey in North Carolina. Thanks for holding. Well, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello. Yes, I'm welcome, sorry. Audrey. Thank you. Okay. I, I, it is unbelievable how good God is with the messages that he sends in the timely manners that he does. As um, I'm called away from my home uh, for a couple of weeks to take care of a family member's property and business, dogs and businesses, etc., because they are ill and have to go away for a couple of weeks to get better. And uh, my, my 30th anniversary is uh, in a few days. My husband, of course, is very upset that I have to go away for two weeks, but I'm only 10 miles away, and I take him dinner every day. And I, I, but I have to be here and he doesn't want to come here because he's angry at my family for taking me away from him. And so, um, the point of the matter is, and, and here's what, you know, and he's, he's like, well, see when his family members are ill for a year and more, I'm there for them too, you know, 24 seven, whatever needs to be done. But because that's my nature, I'm that type of person, and yet, um, yet, I, I don't know if we're going to get through this. Well, Audrey, because- let me let me uh, just we want to we're going to pray for you. Let me encourage you. Let me go if you would to the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, when Daniel was taken into captivity. They told him and the three other three Hebrews boys to eat the king's meat, drink the king's wine. It was against everything. I think it was wrong, uh, and it was against their diet. And in place of saying absolutely no, Daniel came up with a creative alternative. He said, let me have, quote, I'm just using bread and water for 10 days. If my countenance, if our countenance, if we're not as strong at the end of that 10 days as all the others that are eating the king's meat, all of his food, uh, we'll recant. Do your best to come up with a creative alternative. Say, okay, if you won't come over here, 
I can leave that family for two hours. Let's meet somewhere. Would you do that? Come up with some creative alternative. Uh, this I want to say this. If you look at that, it's one of the greatest things in the Bible when you see Daniel doing that. Uh, sometimes we will back our bow our backs and say no too quick. Now, we have to sometimes. We have to say it and say it quickly. But sometimes there can be a way of coming up with an alternative. Audrey, we're going to be praying for her, aren't we, Alex? Absolutely, Bert. I think that was very wise counsel. I, I really do. And yes, you are in our prayer, sister. Um, well, let's go to Jerry in Tennessee. Uh, that's Jerry, Texas, thanks I think. for holding. I think that's Texas. <clears throat> oh, is it Texas? Yes, okay. Texas. Jerry, thanks for holding. Uh, so I, well, thank you so much for answering the call. I love listening to all y'all. And Brother Bert, when you fill in for the other people on AFR, I appreciate all that you do. I have a a daughter that goes to a Christian school. It's not It's not a nomination. It'll take any Christian from any denomination. It's just a, a Christian school. And she's got friends from all different faiths, uh, Christian faiths. And she has one that's a Catholic. And um, she, her Catholic friend asked her if she worshipped Mary because Catholics worship Mary in a way, but they worship Jesus more. And so I answered her. I said, now look, as we claim to be Baptists, and you know, there's Methodists and all the others, but we're Baptists. Uh, it's where we go to church. I said, but see, we, we try to follow in our household the Ten Commandments. So I told her, I said, in a loving, spiritual way, ask your friend, not in a rebuke or, or condemnating way, condemning way, but just ask her if she believes in the Ten Commandments and what the first two Ten Commandments are, and that if they worship Mary as an idol, does that not say they're putting something else above the one true God and then just let her friend think about it in that manner, not to provoke her, not to be her friend, but I'll be honest with you. I searched the Bible out. I searched this other book I, I read by this other author, 21 Toughest Questions Your Kids Will Answer, Ask, <laughs> and I read this other, this mm -hmm. other book that I read by these two guys, 100 Questions Bible Answers, and I couldn't find one in that specifically. So I, if you don't mind, I'll get off and let y'all... Uh, give me a little bit of brotherly feedback, but I love all that y'all do. We're praying for y'all, and just well, keep doing what you're doing, brothers. Hey, I want to say thanks for reading those books, my friend. Amen. We do. Amen. Hey, Alex, uh, go ahead. We hadn't got a lot of time, and I want to get to one or two more. Go ahead and give as best you can. I think you had great advice. Well, I think that was not a bad yeah. answer. I'll just tell you that right now, Jerry. And, and you know what, let me just say, um, Chuck Colson, the late, great Charles Colson, uh, was co-author of a book called Evangelicals and Catholics, Do They Now Agree? And, and, you know, make no mistake, there are some serious theological disagreements between Protestants and Catholics, and very often you'll hear, we'll, we'll use the term evangelicals. And what's interesting, evangelicals, are committed to the evangel, the good news of sharing the gospel. Um, I, I think we ought to probably sometime we'll do a show where we talk about some of the differences. But um, believe it or not, most Catholics, at least priests and scholars, would recoil at the idea that Catholics, quote, worship Mary. Now, they do hold her in really, really high regard, but um, the question becomes, and we can't really unpack it in the context of this brief answer. Um, well, I'll, I'll put it this way, Bert. It's almost like sometimes in Protestantism, 
like liberal, older mainline Protestants believe too few things, like they'll minimize the inerrancy of Scripture or the deity of Christ. If, if liberals are guilty of believing too few things, sometimes it's almost like Catholics are guilty of believing too many things, yeah. like the perpetual virginity of Mary. Now, here's the, here's the issue of salvation for human beings. Jesus, the Son of God, paid for our sin debt on Calvary's cross. His blood washes our sin away, and we put our faith in Him for salvation. That's that message that we all must Amen. come to in order to go to heaven. It is. We're going to be praying. Your daughter and you, that you're standing on good ground, Jerry. I want to tell you that. Alex, got time for one more call at least. Uh, how about Vernon in Kentucky? Vernon, are you there? Yes, Alex. Uh, what that Welcome. This question. The, the, word, the Word of God says it's not good for a man to, to be alone. Sometimes I hear that verse, I think about, what about a woman? Does, does God feel about, so that way about a woman as well? Oh, well, that's... Well, uh, Bert, go me, ahead. You go ahead. Jump in. You, um, you know, in the context of that, when, when God said that, um, it was because the only human that existed at that point was was Adam. And this is Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. Um, I, I think it, you know, aloneness can be very unhealthy at times, but um, that phrase, it is not good, was that um, God created Eve a helper suitable for Adam because God was starting the human race, and and the best, the best aspect of being a human is a human with godly relationships. It is. Family, marriage, ultimately yeah. the Savior. Vernon, aloneness was man's first problem. It's not good that man, uh, that would be true for a woman. God created us with relationship, and he created the idea of man and woman, and that relationship is, is good. But we also see the relationship that men have that is good. I would say Barnabas and Paul. I would say Barnabas and John Mark. All of these were relationships that men hold men accountable, and I say, see the same thing with women that yes it's good marriage but it's also for women to be strong with one another holding each other accountable growing in the lord uh, that's why god created community that's why god created the church that we would be together so aloneness jesus christ is taking care of that spiritually but he's also taking care of it in creation too alex amen well folks you've been listening to exploring the word on the american family radio network alex and burt so glad you've been listening tune in more uh, of Song of Solomon tomorrow. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus.